to your name, O Most High. Psalm 63 verse 4 says this, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Isaiah 25 verse 1, O Lord, I will honor and praise your name, for you are my God. You do such wonderful things. You planned them long ago, and now you have accomplished them. Psalm 113, verse 2. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever and ever. And Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. Father, some of us today are approaching worship filled with joy because we're aware of the wonderful things that God has been doing in our lives this week. But for others of us, we're struggling this morning to lift our voices to you in worship. And that's because of our difficult circumstances that we've been facing this week. Lord, will you help us? You're a holy God who does not change whose mercies are new every morning. Your name is a strong and mighty fortress, and you are worthy of our praise. Holy Spirit, just come and direct our thoughts to Jesus this morning. Come and fill us afresh, renew us, and enable us to worship you in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. The name of the Lord is to be praised. Let's stand together and worship him.
thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of his grace. the children to leave us now for junior church and then Tim's going to come and bring us the announcements. morning. I'd like to add to the welcome you see from Glenys and just to run through the announcements for the week ahead. You'd be welcome to join us again. We meet at seven for our evening service and David will be continuing the Walking the Walk series and Clay will be meeting during the evening service. Uh, Tuesday evening it's baptism and membership course continuing and missionary committee are meeting at eight o'clock. 
Wednesday evening we have small groups meeting in various locations around the city and you'd be very welcome to join in with any of those and if you want to find out where your nearest one is do speak to any of us afterwards. 10.15 Thursday morning it's parent and toddler group and then next Sunday we meet again at 10.30 and 7 and David will be speaking at both those services and Claire will be meeting again in the evening service. Just to give advance notice to church members, we have a special church business meeting on Wednesday week, Wednesday the 19th of March, and in your inboxes when you get home, you'll find the agenda and papers for that. Uh, so please do try and uh, make every effort to attend that. That's uh, We need a quorum to transact our special business. And uh, if you're wondering where to go and get coffee on Saturday mornings, all the other tired coffee shops are just the same now. We have great news for you over the next two Saturdays. Um, Saturday the 15th of March, uh, if you come to the cabin, you can have coffee for Rachel Armstrong and her tear fund trip to Bolivia. And the following Saturday, you can go to uh, Paul and Jill Johnson's to support Daniel Johnson's Stand By Me trip to Ethiopia. We'd have to say we're not aiming to give cheap coffee here because obviously the aim is to relieve you of your cash, but you can rest assured it's going to a far better cause than Starbucks. <laughs> the next meeting of the Irish Baptist Historical Society is Thursday the 20th of March, 8 p.m. in the Baptist Center, when there'll be a history of the Belfast Chinese Christian Church presented. And those are all the announcements and your offering will now be received.
I'm sure a lot of you will have uh, known Emma to be sitting as part of the worship team from time to time. So I've asked Emma to come and share a little bit more information about herself um, with you as we do this time tomorrow. So Emma, <laughs> this is Emma McKinney. And um, Emma, first of all, tell us how long you've been coming to Windsor. Um, I came on and off as a student, but I've been coming regularly now for about three years. Okay, and do you come on your own? or? I usually come with my husband, but he's actually not here today because he's working. Okay, um, so tell us a little bit about what you do. Tell us what you'll be doing this time tomorrow. Uh, I'm a children's physiotherapist, so this time tomorrow I will be in Knockeven Special School in St. Patrick, um, split between there and two children's centres, one in St. Patrick and one in Lisburn. Okay, and then what does your husband do since he's at work? He's a doctor, so he actually ends up working a lot of weekends, a lot of shift work. Okay, so you often see Emma here on her own. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but look out for him, he is there. He is. <laughs> okay, um, as far as your work is concerned, what are the things that you enjoy most about work? Um, my job, because I'm split across three sites, is actually very varied, which I really enjoy. I see a wide range of kids from... Um, everything with sort of very mild problems right up to sort of severe learning and physical disabilities. Um, and it's really nice to see such a variety of kids. Um, and it's a very rewarding job as well, especially when you're working with the more severely disabled kids and you can make that little bit of a difference in their quality of life and sort of help them to achieve something. Um, so it's a very rewarding job and it's a very fun job as well. Kids, you can't tell kids to do exercises because they just don't. So you have to turn everything into a game. So I do spend a lot of my day playing games, <laughs> which Thanks is great fun. Okay, well, what then? Nothing is always, <laughs> no job is always fun. So what are the frustrating um, parts of your job? What, what would you find most difficult about your job? Um, probably the most frustrating thing is sometimes the kids that have the... So no more learning disabilities that, you know, physically they're able to do it, but they can't quite work with you. It can get quite frustrating sometimes. Um, so one of the challenges as well is working with parents. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of parents out there, better watch what I say. Because <laughs> um, quite often kids will be referred to us with something quite minor and quite insignificant, but as you start to assess the child, you realise there's more going on. So it's, it's being sensitive as you're talking to the parents and trying to sort of show them what's going on with their kids and trying to support them as well. And we would see quite a lot of kids after they get a diagnosis, um, which maybe has a life-changing effect on the family and on the child. And you're trying to be sensitive to the parents' needs. And every parent reacts differently. Um, so trying to be there to support them and give them the, the information and the help they need. And it can be challenging sometimes as well. Okay. In a moment, we're going to come to a time of intercessory prayer where we're going to bring needs um, to God in prayer, how can we pray for you as a church, Emma? Um, well, I'm very lucky, actually, in that a lot of the people I work with are Christians, but there are those that aren't. So um, I would appreciate prayer for that just I would, could be a good witness in work um, to the staff I'm working with and with the families as well, and that I would be sensitive to those parents' needs and be able to support them in the best way possible. Thank you. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Okay, we're going to come now to a time of intercessory prayer. We're going to bring... Um, needs of those in our own community, in our own church here, and also um, around the world before God. We're going to just take some time. I'm going to bring some issues to you and give you some space to bring those before God in prayer. And then I'm going to bring it to a close just, just by praying myself. So let's just um, bow before God in prayer.
on a global uh, scale, let's just bring the situation in Ukraine and specifically in Crimea before God in prayer. Let's think about the ongoing problems and issues in Syria. Let's remember uh, all those who were traveling on that plane from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing on Friday and pray for um, their family members, for comfort for them as they wait for information about their friends and family members. And just for members of our own church community here, let's remember Lee Ping as she uh, travels back this week. She had a memorial service for her husband yesterday and intends to come back this week for the practicalities um, around that. Let's remember Sarah Ray and um, her family, her mum Beryl, who's with us this morning, um, and had a funeral for Sarah's dad on Wednesday. So let's remember them as they grieve. We've just heard um, some of Emma's story and the challenges that she faces through her work. Let's just take a, a second or two to bring those before God in prayer. Father, thank you that you encourage us in your word to bring each other's concerns to you in prayer. Thank you that you hear our prayers when we ask in faith. So we pray for your church both locally and globally. Especially, Lord, we want to pray for Christians in countries where they're suffering danger and persecution. We pray for strength and for faith, for stamina in the face of adversity. Lord, we pray for world leaders, for people who have crucial decisions to make every day. Lord, we ask for wisdom for those in authority. Give them a desire for justice and peace. Lord, we pray for those whom we know are suffering at the moment, those who are unwell, those who are lonely or vulnerable, those who are grieving. 
and for those who are caring for them. Lord, will you comfort and heal in your mercy. Lord, hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And now we're going to spend some time around the Lord's table. We're going to take some time to remember the death of Jesus, the sacrifice um, of Jesus for us. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with what this is, we're going to be taking um, the symbols of the bread and the wine and we're going to be using them to help us remember um, Jesus' death and his sacrifice for us. We're going to pass them around the congregation um, to share together. If you're in any way unsure or for whatever reason don't want to take part in that, just pass it on to the person beside you. There's absolutely no problem at all. But we're going to spend some time um, just focusing on the death of Jesus and, and remembering and being able to thank him for the sacrifice and for what that means to us. So in preparation for that, I'd like us to watch a short video clip and then we're going to sing a song together. Just stay seated as we sing, my Jesus, I love thee.
Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you for taking my punishment, the punishment that I deserve. Thank you for your body and for your blood. Sacrifice for me. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me.
In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. If you're familiar with this song, um, do join us. And if you're not, just use the words to focus um, as you listen. Sing. 
Morning, everyone. It's really good to see you here this morning. Just a quick question to start. What are you praying for at the moment? What are you praying for at the moment? What are, what are you currently asking God for? Throughout the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, this, this world-changing speech that we have been looking at together for uh, just over four months now, the issue or the practice of prayer, it keeps reappearing. Jesus has already talked about it on a, on a number of occasions and highlighted it as a critical aspect of kingdom life and living. So right at the center of this world-changing speech is what we call the Lord's Prayer or the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Our Father in Heaven. And then just before that, Jesus talked about the importance of a personal place and space to pray. When you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. And even when Jesus was challenging his disciples about their attitude towards their enemies, he emphasized the need to pray. But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And so this sermon or this speech that changes and changed our world is laced with references to and teaching on prayer. And this morning as we pick up from where we left off last week, which is Matthew 7 and verse 7, it's page 971 in the Red Pew Bibles. But the subject of prayer is back on the agenda. It's back in focus. 
And so uh, I'd like us to read what Jesus says here about prayer. And as we often do at Windsor, let's stand for the public reading of God's word. So Matthew 7, beginning at verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to those who knock, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Please take a seat. So back to this question. What, what are you praying? What, what are you asking for at the moment? And then how do you react to that opening phrase? Ask and it will be given to you. Is, is that your experience? Is that your experience with prayer? Ask and it will be given to you. And if not, where does it leave you with regard to asking for anything else? Do you ever lose heart? Do you ever give up praying? Are you here this morning and you've given up? Now at face value, you can, you can see how these verses could be misunderstood. Or how they could be used to justify all kinds of nonsense. Name it and claim it. Just ask for it and it's yours. Everyone who asks receives good gifts according to verse 8 and according to verse 11. There's no qualifiers. There's no if. Just ask. So just ask for health and wealth, for example. And you'll have them. Is that what Jesus is saying here? Is that what the rest of Scripture teaches and implies? Or is that naive? Even dangerous? Lots of questions. But I'll guarantee you that for most of us, whenever you hear or as you read those opening words of Matthew 7, verse 7, asking it will be given you, if we're honest, if we're honest, most of us do wonder. So let's take a closer look at this. And right up front, let me be clear, God wants us to pray. Glenn already said that this morning as part of the introduction. God wants us to pray. Jesus encourages it. And throughout the sermon and the speech, we've heard him say things like, this is how you should pray. Or when you pray. Now in Matthew 7, verse 7, he's right in there with ask and seek and knock. There's this explicit understanding that kingdom people pray. 
Kingdom people must pray, will pray, need to pray. And as you explore these three words in verse 7, the idea of essential prayer is stressed and underlined. The three verbs, ask, knock, and seek, are all in the imperative form. Or there are three imperatives. Now, I know there are lots of grammar experts here. Oh, how I know this so well. (laughs) And I've no doubt I will have a conversation with many of them over coffee afterwards (laughs) as they sort me out. But as I understand it, this means that these are like commands from Jesus. Do this. This demands your attention. This demands action. There's a sense of urgency in how Jesus says this. So ask, exclamation mark. Seek, exclamation mark. Knock, exclamation mark. You've got to do this. It's, as almost, it's almost as if Jesus is saying this to a people who risk packing it in. To a people who have lost heart. For a people who have been part of a people group who have been waiting for years for God to show up. Literally hundreds of years waiting for God's kingdom to come and kick in. Many of them had learned to live with doubt and disappointment. And it's as if Jesus is saying, listen, ask, seek, knock. If you've lost heart, if you've been burned... Maybe that is some of us here this morning when it comes to prayer. We've lost that sense of urgency. We've lost the need to pray. That recognition of its absolute necessity because we have been or we are disappointed with it or we're disappointed with God. And so these words of Jesus are so important for us today. Ask, seek, knock. This is essential. This is imperative that you do it. Plus, these three verbs are also in the present ongoing tense. In other words, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Don't let this slip. Don't press the pause button. Don't stop. Pray on. Or to pick up another biblical instruction from 1 Thessalonians verse 5, or chapter 5. Pray, or chapter 5, yeah. Pray continually. Now, I know that some people have looked at this verse in these three verbs and they've referred to the ascending scale of urgency. That you start by asking God and then you ratchet it up a level and you begin seeking, which seems a little more acute and reveals that you're really serious about this. And finally, you then take it up another notch and you start banging on the door. And I'm sure there are times when it seems like we've we've adopted this approach. Times when we're not sure God is listening and therefore we feel the need to increase the volume and raise the intensity. But although I do see or I appreciate this idea of an ascending scale that you start with asking, then you go to seeking and then you go to knocking, I'm not convinced that's exactly what Jesus was referring to. For me... The issue in using these three words and phrases was and is to encourage us to never lose sight of this command to pray and this need to keep on praying. Do you know something? God wants our attention every bit as much as we want his. God wants our attention every bit as much as he wants wants ours. 
And if you're here this morning and you've kind of taken the foot off the pedal, it's been a while since you prayed with intention. Like real intention. Real determination. A real sense of urgency. Then let me encourage you to ask, seek, knock. Hear those words, hear those commands, those imperatives of Jesus to cry out to God with renewed insight and understanding. Refresh your desire. Refresh your commitment to pray. But alongside each of these words are these three promises. These three incredible it will and you will statements. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. It sounds amazing. It sounds almost too good to be true. And again, we've got to be careful here because there are some people who assume that whenever we ask, seek and knock, we should automatically expect to get and take what we're after, what we want, what we're praying for. And I want to suggest this more that's dangerous. And it has damaged many people's faith and understanding of God. I was listening this week to someone explaining how with God, there is no taking. With God, there is no taking. There's only receiving. And I find this perspective really helpful in coming to terms with these three phrases, these three promises. Because do you know what? It places me in a passive posture. It places me in a passive posture. There is a passive sense to each of them. In other words, we're not trying to actively pray something out of God's hands. That somehow God is holding on to good gifts, good blessings, and we have got to take them, and we've got to get them, we've got to name it, we've got to claim it. This kind of prosperity gospel mindset. But but as we ask and seek and knock, let's come from this mindset of God gives we don't take what we do is we receive with grateful hearts and as ever attitude is all important it's one of the reasons why in certain traditions and and some of you may have grown up with this practice but in some churches when it comes to communion and i like this but some churches when it comes to communion you approach the altar or you go up to the front of church And how do you hold your hands? Open. Open. You stand there ready to receive the bread. And it's a graphic and physical reminder that God gives good gifts to his children. We don't take them. Maybe that's something we need to rethink regarding communion. We don't take it. We receive it. But in prayer, as we ask and seek and knock, we discover, according to Jesus here, that God will give, that we will find, that the door will swing open. And verse 8, if you look at it, it simply drives home the reality. Verse 8 says, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks, the door will be opened. But as we continue to delve into this a little deeper, one of the key issues to consider, and I've no doubt that quite a few of us have been thinking this, but, but what is the it that we should be asking for? What, what, what should we be asking for? 
What should we be seeking? What are we trying to get at with our knocking? In other words, what should we be asking for in prayer that we will then receive? Well, before we consider the what, let's reflect on the who. Who are we actually praying to? What kind of God wants us to pray? What kind of God hears us as we pray, answers us when we pray? And in verses 9 to 11, have a look at this with me. In verses 9 to 11, using a couple of extreme and almost ridiculous illustrations, Jesus describes his father. And he compares and he contrasts an earthly father with his heavenly father. And Jesus makes the point that no decent dad would ever give his son a stone whenever he's asked for bread. No decent dad would ever give his son a snake whenever he asks for fish. And if an imperfect, flawed dad knows how to give good gifts to his kids, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? And it's that phrase, how much more, that stands out. If if you're kind of one of those people that like underlining things in your Bible, just underline those words, how much more doesn't mean that the more we ask for, the more we get. Again, that's how some people read this. This how much more refers to the character, the nature, and the perfection of our Heavenly Father, who is so much more than any dad you can ever think of. Do you know, he's a father who doesn't make mistakes. Every dad who's here this morning knows the mistakes they've made this week with regard to their kids. He's a father who doesn't slip up, who doesn't miss opportunities, who doesn't hold back, who doesn't have off days, who doesn't have lapses in concentration. In some ways, yes, he's similar to the best earthly father you can ever imagine, but in other ways, he's far better and totally different. He's the ideal father and then some. And ultimately, he knows what we need. And therefore, we can trust him completely, which is something Jesus has already addressed in this sermon as he talked about God's intimate and personal care for each of us who are more valuable to him than birds and flowers. And listen, as we've heard Jesus say, God cares passionately about birds and flowers. Consider just how much more valuable you are to him. So he's going to look after you. He's going to take care of you. You know, sometimes part of our problem with prayer is we've lost sight of who we're praying to. Lost sight of God's greatness. Lost sight of his bigness. Lost sight of his holiness. And when we begin to get that or recover that, then we start asking and seeking and knocking with renewed confidence. Not because we're going to get what we ask or or want, but because we're going to receive what we need and what's best for us. Which is one of the reasons why when it comes to prayer, we don't always get what we ask for. We don't always get the answers we expect. And that's because God does know better. And God is working out his purposes in our lives. God is a good father. And therefore, you can trust him. And as we retain or regain that perspective, we can then submit or more easily submit to his will. His pleasing and good, perfect will. And even as I mention that and as we think about this, Jesus again, every time, is our supreme example. 
Jesus prayed a prayer that wasn't answered. You don't often hear this from a kind of name it, claim it, prosperity gospel perspective. You don't often hear this. Jesus prayed a prayer that wasn't answered. Or at least answered as he hoped. And as he crashed to his knees in the garden, with drops of blood running down his face due to the intensity of the anxiety and the praying, he cried out to his father, if possible, could this cup of suffering be taken from me? I want to avoid this. And what was Jesus met with? A deafening silence. Deafening silence. But such was his total trust in his father. And because Jesus was convinced of the goodness of his father, he was then able to say, yet, not my will, but yours be done. And so if you're here this morning and you're praying your heart out and you're struggling with the apparent silence of heaven, wondering if your prayer is ever going to be answered, then let me encourage you to trust your good father who knows how to give good gifts to his kids. And embrace the example of Jesus who in prayer recognized the need to submit to his father's will. And that's not easy and it's never easy. And I don't say that lightly. So having thought about who it is we're praying to are much more father. Let's look at the what we should be asking for. What we should be seeking after. What we should be knocking to get at. Now when I started with this question, what are you praying for at the moment, I realized that within this room, I'm not sure many people now are sitting and crammed into this place. But there's going to be a whole variety of answers if I was to ask each of you to come up here and tell me what you thought. And I am not about to suggest which ones are valid, which ones aren't. Some of you are here this morning and you're praying about health issues. Either for yourself or for others. Some of you are here this morning and you're praying for relational difficulties at work or in the home. Employment challenges, family pressures, material needs. Some of you are praying for loved ones who don't know Jesus. And any and all of those and many others are perfectly understandable. But you know something here in Matthew 7, as Jesus injects this teaching about prayer, about asking and seeking and knocking, about receiving, finding, and doors swinging open, I do believe he has a particular focus in mind. I do believe that what we should be praying for is quite specific. And to identify this and to kind of understand it fully, you've got to need to turn to the parallel passage of this in Luke chapter 11. It's going to be on the screen. You don't need to go there. Here's the parallel passage. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion slate? Difference. Same principle. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. You see, that's what 
Or that's who I believe every single one of us should be urgently and continually asking and praying for in our lives. Ask and it will be given to you. Ask for the Holy Spirit, for more of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Our comforter, our guide. He's the one that teaches us all things, according to Jesus in John 14. He is the power of God in our lives who enables us to live according to the rule of God. You see, as we have journeyed through this speech I know many of you, and many of you have expressed this to me, you've been challenged by the content of the Sermon on the Mount. Many of us have expressed the fact that, you see, if you were to actually live like this, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, forgive those who sin against you, to actually not worry about what you eat and wear and drink, To actually not be focused on storing up treasure on earth, but rather store up treasure in heaven. So difficult. It's also countercultural. It feels virtually impossible, but you know, that is why we need, and that is why we have the Holy Spirit. Because the only way to live according to the rule of God is to have the Spirit of God living within you. And so we ask for the Spirit. And we keep asking for more of the Spirit in our lives so that we can live this kingdom life. Now I know that the moment you become a Christian, God, by his Holy Spirit, comes to dwell within us. Explicit Bible teaching. Explicit teaching of this church. You accept Jesus into your life and God by his Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you. But as so much of the rest of scripture teaches, you've got to continue being filled with the Spirit. You've got to keep in step with the Spirit. We need to keep producing the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the way God's Word talks about this, it's an ongoing process. And therefore, in order to live like this, in order to love our enemies, Pray for those who persecute us. Forgive those who sin against us. All the things we've been looking at. Address lust. Deal with anger. Be true to our word. In order to live like this, we need the ultimate good gift from the Father who longs and loves to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And so my hope and prayer as we leave here this morning is that all of us who are part of this kingdom community would be committed in essential and ongoing prayer to ask and keep asking God for more. More of your Holy Spirit in my life. Because I don't know about you, but it kind of doesn't seem natural to me to live according to this sermon. As I look at the fruit of the Spirit, those nine segments, and we're going to do a whole series on those nine segments after Easter. But as I look at these nine segments, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Does anybody here feel they've got those all sorted? 
I don't. Am I more loving now than I was this time a few weeks ago, a few years ago? The longer I've been a Christian? Should be. As God, by his spirit, continues the process of making me more like Jesus. More. Those who ask their father, more the Holy Spirit. So that's what we should pray for. Yeah, pray for all those things you maybe thought of. But in Matthew 7 and Luke 11, as Jesus describes what it means to live in the kingdom, the key thing, the key thing that we all need to ask for, seek after, and knock to get at is more of God and his Holy Spirit in our lives. Will you join me in praying urgently and continually for that? Now, I'm virtually done. But I know some of you are thinking, hang on a minute, what about verse 12? Which, in most NIV Bibles, is included in this section. If you're using a New Living Translation, I think it's separated. Different versions treat it differently. But verse 12 of Matthew 7 is quite possibly one of the best known verses in all of Jesus' teaching. It's often referred to as the golden rule. So, in everything, do to others what you'd have them do to you. We're all familiar with it. And it's a verse that is often taken on its own. And therefore, I would suggest it's often taken a little out of context. It does make sense on its own. It's, it's, it's a great golden rule on its own. But it actually flows, which is why it starts with so, or in some translations is why it starts with therefore. In other words, this, this, this connects with what's been going on here. It flows out of this teaching of Jesus where he's been describing the generous, gracious, giving nature of his Father. That when we ask and when we seek and when we knock, we receive, we find, we discover. And so in light of how our Father treats us, we should treat others. Be generous. Be gracious. Be kind. Be giving. Huge challenge, yes, but absolutely possible because we have the Holy Spirit. And we should pray for more. So let's keep asking, seeking, knocking. I want to close uh, with a song. I think she'd be familiar to most. All her Thursday, all her week. If you kind of your throat's a bit dry spiritually if you are feeling a bit weak come to the fountain dip your heart in a stream of life let the pain and the sorrow be washed away and then there is this, this cry come Lord Jesus come Holy Spirit and if you're here this morning you recognize you need more of God's Holy Spirit in your life you need to become more more like Jesus then maybe sing this not just as a song but as a prayer and then we'll close so let's stand together Sing it a couple of times.
Jesus, come. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In your mercy, Lord, hear our prayer. Amen. Please do grab a seat. Thank you for being with us this morning. There is coffee and tea available for everyone, so please do hang around. If you do want to chat uh, about anything that's been said or raised this morning, please do grab anyone who has been up at the front. Thank you. <coughs> 